This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Sunday morning. It is uh, going to be a beautiful day today, a high of six degrees, and we're finally going to get into spring, I think. Today in studio, we have Butch Carter, uh, and Wally is on the phone with us today. He won't be in studio, but he's on the phone with us. Uh, Good morning, Wally. Good morning, Naz. How are you? And good morning, Butch. Good morning. I don't know if I should talk to you. You're down there in warm weather again, probably, aren't you? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's a little bit warmer here than what I understand it is in Toronto. I understand it's been pretty chilly this week, so... uh, Hopefully, uh, hopefully there's some warm weather when I arrive back, and hopefully I get to use my golf clubs very soon in southern Ontario. But uh, uh, before, uh, I hope you don't mind if I interrupt, uh, Naz, but uh, Butch, you had, your, uh, you had your championship game last night on the CBL. Tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about it. Well, it was accumulation of uh, a lot of work that went into two years, and uh, Scarborough team was playing Durham. Uh, the game was held at University of Guelph in their new facility that seats about 2,400 people. Uh, we had a lot of new people come out to the gym. There was a couple guys that came up to me who uh, were told they were from Hamilton that came to the game. A couple of people who uh, I communicated with in downtown Toronto, they were at the gym, and they were quite shocked at the facility and the setup. Um, it worked really well. Uh, the Scarborough team prevailed uh, to win the game, and uh, they had been the best team in the league all year. So that, that kind of worked out well. They have a young coach, uh, Garrett Kelly, uh, who did an outstanding job all year long. And as I said in my pregame last night, uh, doing the color analysis, uh, I think I'm a pretty stringent person on evaluating coaches. And uh, he sat with me for a year and a half and waited his turn, did not know if he was going to get a chance to be a head coach or just work in the organization. Um, he got on the road with me. We went a lot of places, sat in my seminars that I do for the NBA assistant coaches, and uh, he really did a great job. He he exceeded my expectations for a young coach. Um, He took advantage of all the things that were lined up for him. Uh, His team won 15 games, lost three. They were the champion of the league. But it was accumulation of, of, uh, I believe, hopefully, a long history of the Canadian Basketball League uh, growing. we have discovered a lot of stuff that uh, we can do better. Uh, we we do need to grow, but it, it was it was a really good night, and uh, it was a nice, easy ride back on the 401 from Guelph home last night. That's good. Now, uh, I understand the crowds got better and better as the year went on, but Yeah, the, the crowds got better. I mean, it, uh, the biggest problem we had all year was, was uh, Guelph was building the new facility, and, and uh, it was behind schedule and construction. So, you know, it's a standard Ontario construction. 
you know, so uh, we were supposed to be, start playing there December 15th. We didn't get in until January 15th. And that kind of upset the apple cart because required the uh, Wellington team to play on the road for the first 30 days, which was unusual. Um, but we, we got through it. And uh, then the teams got in the communities. We have a, a read-to-lead program in which the players are every uh, Monday in the schools And we, once we start so we had a little over 1,600 on Thursday, and then came back and had, I think, about 1,200 last night. And it was just a, it was just a really good environment, um, starting from, you know, uh, our broadcast games on YesTV early in the year. We hardly had anyone in the gym, three, 400 people, but our reach audience was over 140, 150,000, um, really outstanding reach numbers for, for us. Uh, our Saturday night TV product with Yes is... Uh, turned out to be really good combined with our uh, our short segment CBL and 30 that we run at 6.30 on Saturday night, and then we come back in Alberta and run CBL and 30 at 11 o'clock. So if you put all those numbers together, we're nice. We had over 200,000 people um, from an audience reach standpoint. And uh, when I did that contract with Yes, they told me I'd be lucky to get twenty or 30,000 people in that time slot. So uh, we have a lot to work on, but the, the TV part was uh, was really great. Um, I, I, I need to have, give a big thank you to uh, Dome Productions, uh, did the productions and got us started off. Um, very professional setup. Um, and it really gave me a, a, a bright light into what it could be. Um, so I, I'd look for us to hopefully televise 15 games next year. Um, we will, uh, I'll make a visit back to uh, New York and. Uh, and we'll go in and visit some people. Uh, I think the league should get to the point where we should have 10 or 12 teams in a three- or four-year time frame. Uh, under the current format, works good. It would work better if I had a couple local owners with those teams to help drive because they've grown up, lived the market. They know the, the business community, and you have to be good in the business community uh, with these leagues. So... Um, it was good. It was a good. It was a good ride home uh, uh, last night. I was happy to get home, and uh, but it was a relief to. Uh, it's been a long, too hard, two year journey. Lots of work. Yeah, it's lots been lots of, of work. So, yeah. and there's still lots of work to do. Now, are the high school uh, aware of the league now? More aware now than they were before? Well, the, the issue, uh, yes. I, I was a guest speaker at the officer tournament, uh, um, and when they they played up north and. Uh, this past month, and um, they are aware. I think, you know, uh, last night we're seeing more and more high school and AAU coaches come to our games. Uh, I would like to sign six high school players going into next season. Uh, I think we're on track to do that. And as I've always said, my goal is for the league to go younger than older. Mm -hmm. I don't mind one or two or three older players. Uh, you kind of need um, – that veteran presence, but I would prefer to go younger. I think we'll be more successful, and I think the players will be more successful, especially those players who don't have grades. And why would you go off to Kansas or Texas to some remote junior college and uh, when you can stay at home and, and uh, become a professional, live in better housing, understand how to become a pro, better facilities? It's just I think it's overall if, if, there, uh, if there's balance in the decision, I think we'll win out. Wally, um, the Leafs, 2-1 win, uh, loss last night. Uh, it's uh, it's well, an interesting, you know, it's, it's, game it's, by game, it's an interesting tale, that's for sure. Well, I mean, it is. Yeah, I let's, mean, let's, 
Yeah. Three games ago, we Start thought they were on their deathbed. Right? That's, that's right. Against, right? yeah, Florida. Three, right. Three games ago, you think they're on their deathbed. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with losing, but having bad losses, right? And you get on a playoff run. So, um, and then you say, well, Tampa's sitting there waiting for them. They're, they're probably going to barbecue them. And uh, some of the guys go fishing and they get away from hockey uh, and they get locked in. And I, I always think, you, how do you define really good coaches is how their teams play on the road? Because it takes a certain tenacity to overcome uh, playing on a way ice or court or, or a football field. And um, to see what they did in Tampa Bay, we were actually shocked. Um, it was uh, – at the same time, we had a game Thursday night, and we came back, and we're like, you know, what's the score? What's the score? And uh, it was five zero, and uh, we were we were we were happily shocked that that they had rebounded so strongly and uh, and put some of the naysayers, you know, quiet them down at least for another game. Yeah, that's for sure. Wally, go ahead. I want to ask you. Uh, yeah, but I want to ask you. Uh, you know, going. You know, the Leafs are. A young team, and you sort of went. You went through the the, mat, the maturity uh, of a young team with the with the with the Raptors when you took them over. But is this uh, is this what you find with young teams? This level of inconsistency, because like like you guys say, after the Florida game, and that was the only game I was actually able to watch from down here, um, things looked pretty bleak. And then and then you know, the two days later, they just they completely turn it around. Uh, and then last night, uh, you know, they played they played a pretty tight game um, against the team that just may end up being the Stanley Cup champions. So they, you know, they were in, uh, you know, they, uh, they they played a pretty sound game last night. Um, is that what you find with young teams, Butch? That well, it's, it's, well, it's, it's, it's at times it's black it's a, and white. And, yeah, at times it's it's unfair comparison because. In basketball, you can get it done successfully with seven or eight guys. It's impossible in hockey. You at least have to be good through three lines, all right? So, so in my in my opinion, you know, the least struggle because there's no consistency in the back end, all right? Some of the turnovers that happen uh, with their defensemen are just ridiculous, and it it lays seeds of doubt. Offensively, you know they're good, and if you don't know they're good, you know. As the one of the Blackhawks said last night, if they're this good, this young, what are they going to be like in three or four years? Yeah. That's true. But at the end of the day, uh, you don't get through the, the playoffs without really good defensemen and lots of them because they're prone to be injured by taking pucks to the body. So um, I just see it as it's not going to get cleaned up for them, their consistency, until at some point they're able to acquire some veteran defenseman that settles everything down on the backside because the goalie play, I think, has been pretty good. But um, when there's an onslaught of really bad turnovers, um, it just lays big seeds of, of, of non-confidence throughout that team. And um, they, are, they are talented, but the issue is there are limitations to their talent. Yeah, because Chicago has uh, Seabrook and Keith. That's correct. And uh, you really noticed it last night how good they are. Yeah, the Leafs don't have that. Correct. It's it's when you when at the end of the day, I mean, you know, I basically learned my hockey by when I was coaching. 
uh, they're playing Saturday night, so I'm watching film because I'm playing Sunday afternoon, and I always would come out and watch a period. And the first thing I learned was how exhausting it was for a guy to skate through a period. And then I had to understand the substitution patterns and how many minutes a guy can actually stay on his skates. But the reality is that, you know, in watching hockey the 18 years I've been here in Canada, the reality is that it, you need to be really good on your backside. And going into the playoffs, you normally need an extra defenseman or two to get yourself through in case one or two are injured um, because it's a bigger sacrifice for them with their bodies. But the IQ on the backside needs to be really high. And at times they've shown that they're talented, but they don't have the greatest IQ. Are you speaking of uh, Gardner by chance? Well, I mean, you know, everyone <laughs> says, you know, he, you know, he can play, he can play. But the issue with hockey and being a defenseman yeah. is it's self-evident, right? I mean, you're either really, really good and it shows all the time, but um, his decision-making the whole time he's been here, right, is leaves you aghast at times. And um, he's a, go ahead. He's a butch. Gardner's the classic example of uh, why sometimes statistics, uh, you know, these these analytics type guys, because Gardner's got one of the highest plus minuses on the team. So the you know the black and white in in the analytics show one story, but as you say, the eyes when you watch the game tells you a totally different story about Gardner. But Gardner's a defenseman. With with with, uh, he's, he's risk reward, and when and and his decision making is is horrid at times, but his offensive gifts his, his offensive gifts are outstanding. But he's the, he's the kind of he's the kind of player that gives a coach a nervous breakdown. Well, I think um, I think the analytics to for, to help you guys understand your audience understand the analytics are defined in two segments. All right the teams that win and the teams that lose. I would like to see what his plus-minus is against winning teams. So what does he do against the better teams? Because to get to be a better team, you have to play through them, right? The other one is, analytically, you know, what is his plus-minus against in a one-goal game, right? So, you know, it goes all the way back to the first West Coast trip, right? They're up 3-0, 4-0, and lose, Right, so it all starts with you know him either making a mistake with the puck for an easy with with a bad turnover, right, or taking a bad penalty. So you know, I would like to see the analytics on him in a confined because uh, you want the analytics based on what does the guy do against winning teams. So you know, historically that'd tell you pretty much what his character is. Because the best seem to rise up against the best. Why are the Blackhawks the Blackhawks? Because in those one-goal games, in those uh, playing those winning teams, they have successfully just beat the snot out of them. And, um, you know, and that's what you have to do. And it's been amazing, uh, the Blackhawk run, because they've had a lot of changeover with the salary cap uh, to be as good as they've been the last six years. Mike Babcock made a comment last night. He said that the uh, Leafs, uh, his team, gave Chicago too much respect. Yeah, that's, what do you, what, what, where, where does that come from? It, it comes from because he's an old bull. He's been in the fight with, with, with the Matador, <laughs> and he knows that you gore, you, you, <laughs> the guy who's got got the sword and trying to stick you, you gore him early, and he basically felt that they were playing with caution. 
Yeah. Right. And I see and they that, were and they I, were. I seen that comment late last night when I got in. And, you know, it, it's laughable because, you know, the old bull him, he's been in that fight many a time and he knows what you have to do. But the tough part about being a, a good coach with a young team is you really want to just chop the top of their head off and pour all that knowledge into them so they understand it. But unfortunately, they, they have to go through it. And it, it was a perfect example. He, his timing, I thought, was really good. Yeah. All right. Okay, hey, you got one point. That's not good enough, right? Yeah. You, you had a chance to gore them, right? And you didn't. And again, it goes to um, great great teams win because the players decide that they want to win. Because everybody's making enough money. It's not about money. It really boils down to I personally dislike losing so much. I'm not going to let my team win. With hockey, it's harder because you have three or four lines. So that spirit has got to go through three or four lines. That leadership has got to be established over three or four lines. And, you know, when we, if you, in my opinion, if you see what's happened with Edmonton, all right, I thought it was wrong that they named the kid captain so early. But, you know. Turns out it's okay. It turns out it's okay. It turns out that, you know, I also think them acquiring, you know, a certain defenseman fr- from as a free agent from L.A. has helped tremendously. Um, but, I, you know, I think Babcock knows exactly where they're supposed to be, when they're supposed to be there. And instead of it being, hell, we're playing the Blackhawks, and it really is uh, you have a chance to gore the champion, and uh, you miss one of those opportunities. And he's really setting the tone for the next time they see Wally, him. Wally, they can make a statement on Monday night by beating Boston. That's oh, the big they, game. They got, they got Boston, and that's a huge game. I, I don't know if you want to go to break now, Naz. I've got, I've got another. I want to pursue something else with Butch. Uh, should we do it after the break? Uh, yeah, let's go for a break, and we'll be right back after the break. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when they got up in my grill. Ponzo Combo, Ponzo Combo. You get two Ponzerotti with two toppings per, plus ten chicken wings, I say for sure. Ponzo Combo, Ponzo Combo. That's nineteen ninety nine. A deal, for real, a steal. Ponzo Combo, Ponzo Combo. Yo, visit pizzaville.ca or pound 3636 from your cell phone, word. If you live and breathe basketball, Saturday's just got a whole lot better. Brand new to Yes TV, the Canadian Basketball League is a new home of great basketball action in Canada. Playing every Saturday on Yes TV. Good players, great basketball, international rules. Watch the full coverage live every Saturday at 8 p.m. on Yes TV. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. The best. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. 
It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. They're not here to be nice. They're here to be right. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. Just want to let the listeners know after the 9.35 break, we will have Hall of Fame baseball writer Bob Elliott on the phone. Bob is a... uh, Extremely knowledgeable guy when it comes to baseball, for sure. Wally, you had something to bring up. Yeah, I just wanted to follow. Yeah, I just wanted to follow up on uh, on the Leafs and in in the run to the playoffs. Uh, they, they there's two paths to the playoffs, Butch, and I want you to comment on this. One is one path is uh, is a big game Monday night against Boston, and if we get two points there, we're one point behind them, and we we make a run for third place in that uh, in that division. The other path is where they are right now is the wild card, and they've, you know, after that loss to Florida, uh, things looked a little bit bleaker. But it's been a horrible week for the Islanders, and it's been a horrible week for Tampa, who they can't seem to make any headway. And the Leafs are a point and two points clear with a game in hand. Twelve games left, Butch. It's a young team. Um, how much does pressure now factor into? The playoff, the 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 day to day performance of the Leafs are they? They've never, they really haven't had any pressure up until now this year. Um, it's getting tight and it's getting close. Uh, how much difference does that make? Well, the different the difference they run into, in which you're not aware, is that when you play teams that are losing, they are at their best because they're on a short season and they're playing for next year's contract, next year's position on the team. So what the young guys won't realize is that, again, you know, you go play a team that you assume has got a bad record. Well, they're going to come out and try to kick your behind. And they know they have a short window to impress, you know, who's making a decision on them for the next season, uh, next year's contract, if they're going to be traded, you know, on draft night or before draft night. So um, that's the biggest problem with a young team is they don't understand they're going to get their best shot from the, from the teams they would think would be an easy win. All right. So that, you know, that being said, um, the consistency of championship quality leadership throughout the hockey organization right now is unparalleled. Right. Everybody in that organization uh, from from Babcock on up to Lou, you know, knows how to win. The issue at the end of the day is they're not allowed to skate. Right, so uh, it's it's painful. I still say at the end of the day that um, they're a, they're really a momentum team uh, right now. If the, if they don't screw up early in a hockey game, then they normally play pretty well. And at the end of the day, I, what I would prefer is they just play as best they can, and they don't get in a situation where they're up three or four goals and cough it up in the third period. Uh, and we've seen them do that on the road, preferably you know on the west. And that, I think they need to stay away from that. But I think the the whole ideal of you know how they played last night, um, we would hope they would carry that over. Uh, they were very smart with the puck, uh, gave themselves a great chance to win, um, and they just let one get away. But I think the reality is that once once young guys skate with good good hockey teams, you know, like the Blackhawks, it does give them a sense of confidence of, of where they should be all the time. And 
but I when I look at the last twelve games, though, the the biggest enemy are the are the losing teams, because the the kids won't expect them to play as well as they're going to play. But I played on a lot of those losing teams, and I burned a lot of guys in those last ten or twelve games. Um, you know, I remember the Atlanta Hawks were fighting for a playoff spot, and they came to place in the Pacers, and I gave them a smooth forty-two. Uh, and I never get John Drew standing beside me like, man, you're costing me a lot of playoff money. And <laughs> but it was, you know, I'm playing for, I'm playing, to, you know, to keep my job for the next year. And so a lot of guys who are professional are better in a 12 game season than they are in an 82 game season. So that's just the way it is, and and it shows up on on your poor hockey teams too. Uh, Mike Babcock did something last night, Wally. He put Brian Boyle on the fourth line center against Jonathan Taze all night, and they did a good job of the fourth line. And uh, I was I was going, oh my God, Taze is going to play against uh, uh, the fourth line. I mean, he's going to eat him up. He didn't. No, uh, it's, and you know, and most of the time, you, when you got when you have a coach like that, he's got a feel for it. Or you know, in all their research, there's something that's that's been said or or, yeah. or on that matchup. Because the weird part about professional sports is that you take a guy that's a great player, Hall of Fame potential Hall of Fame player, and there'll be some guy you never heard of, and it may be because they played against each other in juniors or something that when they get matched up, the Hall of Famer is not affected, and it it just works out that way. And, um, you know, in my life, I grew up with Jimmy Paxson. But when I played against Jimmy Paxson as a professional, he never had a good night against me because we'd been together since we were 15 years old. So I basically knew what he was going to do. And, and, and I, you know, Jimmy was a really good player for Portland. But coach was like, I don't understand. And I said, well, we've been together. We've been playing against each other and high school opponents. And we, you know, go to camp together. So it just works out that there are some matchups professionally that you won't understand that some guy come out of somewhere. And he does a really good yeah. job. Yeah, that came out of nowhere. I was very I, I, shocked. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to show my age on this one, but uh, you brought up a, a really interesting point. Uh, classic example that I remember in hockey was from the 60s, if you can believe this. Toe Blake used to play Claude Provo against Bobby Hull all the time. And uh, and they, they used to call them shadows in the old days. Every star used to end uh, yes. I can't, I can't. And Don Marcotte used to go up against Guy Lafleur all the time. Uh, Don Cherry used to throw them out. So that's a, that's a really interesting point. So I guess Babcock must have seen something on, in the Brian Boyle resume. I just want to point to. I know Naz, you may want to move on to different topics, but uh, the last four games of the seasons for the Leafs are all at home, starting on the Tuesday of the last week, the Thursday, the Saturday, and the Sunday. Last four games are at home, Washington, Tampa Bay, Pittsburgh, Columbus. I just got a sense that that's going to be a pretty wild week in Toronto because it may go down to the last weekend. And they're going to be at home. And uh, and the, I, I guess the fan base is going to be going crazy, hoping that they hoping they make the playoffs. Uh, any advantage or disadvantage to a young team that way, Butch? Yeah, well, uh, what, what you have to look at there is uh, Pittsburgh and Columbus may not be playing their best players. Right, if if their playoff position is settled, they may be resting guys. So you know th- those may be games which are opportunity for points um, that won't be as stressful. You know there are two philosophies. You know which you know you can take one. You say you know we want to play our guys all the way to you know 
so we maintain our consistency in it going into the playoffs and our structure and our rotations. But if it's the last game or two, you know, does Sydney need to play in Toronto if their playoff position, you know, is determined? Does Columbus need to play their best players? So I think the four games are important, but I think the most important thing about the four games is, you know, they, they may take the games off pro line because, you know, the 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 visiting team decides to sit some guys. It, you know, the example, you know, that we're, we're reading about here on news is Cleveland sat three of their guys in a game, and, you know, the league office isn't happy about it. But the issue at the end of the day is um, there's a certain amount of energy a guy needs, and the teams are really good at monitoring where a guy, guys are at physically. I would think Pittsburgh and Columbus have veteran coaches who would understand and staffs what they're going to do, you know, in that last one or two games. And that could work out in a very positive fashion if uh, the Leafs need to win those games. I'll tell you, if, they're, if the last four games mean that for the Leafs and it doesn't mean that much for those other teams, they're going to rest their guys because they've had a tough season. They playing, All these teams are playing back-to-backs all over the place. Well, and they're going to rest. Well, the back-to-backs and the fact that, you know, sk- skating uh, – we were just in a conversation. Someone said, "Well, what's the toughest sport?" And we, the toughest sport as far as exertion has to be hockey, from the standpoint of pushing those blades back and forth. And uh, I told them I learned it, but you know those times I'd come out and, and watch a period or two, and you know you have flying substitutions. No sport has you know substitutions on the fly while the game is going on. So um, it's really tough and. At the end, if the playoffs are important, I would think that they would find time to either cut the guys' minutes shorter or uh, or not play them at all. Uh, we're going to come back after the break with Bob Elliott. We're, we're breaking soon. You just uh, have one more question, Wally. Uh, have you caught I'm any gonna, of the games? Have you caught any of the games? Uh, at the least only, the only game I was able to watch down here was Florida. I couldn't. Uh, you know, the CRT has these uh, regulations. Somehow you can't connect to Canadian live streaming websites when you're when you're out of town. So the only and the Tampa Bay game, for some reason, was blacked out in the South Florida market. They, they got their own blackout restrictions down here. So I only caught the only caught the Florida game. I mean, I kept in touch on Twitter and, uh, you know, I was, you know, I was thrilled to death on Tampa Bay. Every time I was checking my iPhone, the score went from one nothing to two nothing to three nothing. <laughs> Uh, but didn't only only that game um, was the Florida game. I'm looking forward to. Uh, unfortunately, probably going to I'm going to miss the Bruin game uh, Monday night as well. Uh, but I'll be back in the thing of it. But before you guys uh, let me go, I just want to ask Butch. Uh, March Madness is upon us, um, and my my team uh, my team that uh, grew up uh, adoring was the was the. Was the guy the blue and uh, the blue and white and yellow at Poly Pavilion, the wooden, and all those great UCLA teams uh, from the late '60s and '70s? Uh, who are you seeing? Uh, who are you seeing this year? I just went really, really quickly, got, uh, Butch, because I know uh, Naz got to take us to commercial. Who uh, who's going to come through? And do the, do the Bruins have a chance? Uh, the Bruins have a chance, but again, I think it's uh, Louisville is set up to get to the regional. I think they beat Michigan today. Um, uh, North Carolina has got a really talented team, scary talent. And, and Duke played so well in the ACC tournament, winning four games in four days, which had never been done before. So I still think it's uh, uh, it's going to be North Carolina, Louisville, and Duke. And 
I don't know who the fourth team is going to be. It could be West Virginia. It could be UCLA. Um, but, you know, I was a longtime fan of the UCLA uh, legacy with uh, with what they did in, in the 70s. So um, Steve Alford, you know, an Indiana guy, has, has done yeah. very well there. And uh, I would hope that he's being considered for the Indiana job. Um, you know, it would it would be, I believe, a natural fit, you know, um, other people may not think so, but I think, you know, Steve deserves to have a chance to come back home. Uh, so right now I think it's a toss-up. I think it's a three. My final four, I got a wild card. I got North Carolina, Duke, and uh, I see Louisville right now in a good, really good spot to get there. Were you surprised at the, uh, the, the big loss last night by Villanova? Not really. Villanova's not that good. I, I was uh, happened to be in New York and went to a big – Big East Conference game uh, uh, one evening, uh, and I was really disappointed that clearly the new Big East is nothing compared to the old Big East. So, you know, again, it's to me is that they're a champion of something that's not very good. Um, it's not great. But, you know, you they've got Xavier uh, playing well, and they always play well in the tournament, um, and probably uh, uh, the, the – uh, the Wichita State or Creighton teams are going to play well. Okay, we have to go to commercial break. Wally, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville announced that you can get a three-topping party pizza with 24 slices for just $24. It's perfect for large groups on a budget, like staff meetings, sports teams, or special ops units. Go, 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 go! So before you break down any doors, get a three-topping party pizza with 24 square slices for just $24. Call Pizzaville on your cell phone at pound 3636. CDLTickets.com is how you get your family up close and in the action. Canada is the new home for up-and-coming basketball talent. Good players, great basketball, international rules. Watch the Canadian Basketball League and make an exciting sports night for the whole family that won't break the bank. Go to cbltickets.com and purchase tickets starting as low as $15.50. cbltickets.com. Give the gift of basketball. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal, yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Bond. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. There are two ways to argue sports with these guys, and none of them work. The boys are back, the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We have on the phone baseball Hall of Fame writer Bob Elliott. Bob, good morning. How are you? Morning, gentlemen. Butch Butch Carter's here. Say hello to Butch. 
What's going on, Butch? Nothing much, Bob. Sitting what here. What are you doing up this early? <laughs> well, <laughs> Wally and Naz have a way of poking me <laughs> to get me out on Sunday morning. So um, I'm always, it's always nice to be here and uh, really glad that uh, we've got you on this morning. I, I've got a couple questions I'd like to start out with, if you don't mind. I'll go right ahead. The current situation <laughs> with Scott Boris uh, and the Blue Jays. Um, walk me through that and how you see that playing out. Well, I think uh, I think the new regime they've had dealings with uh, Boris before, and uh, they certainly known or should have known. Like, why give this guy any ammo for down the road? And uh, they gave him some ammo, you know. Like, I think uh, I think they offered at uh, five uh, five fifty and. Um, uh, the player chose to be renewed uh, at 535, the minimum. So that means you have a guy, whether he's on Detroit or Colorado or wherever, making uh, going to play his first game on April 3rd, and he'll be projected to earn exactly the same amount as uh, as uh, a guy who led the American League in uh, ERA last year and had 18 wins, which which is not going to go very well at arbitration time next February and the year after that. And uh, what Boris is often accused of is is having his players become so angry at the teams that uh, they they no longer be productive. Now, Greg Maddox was not like that. A lot of his great players were not like that. But some some became more more concerned with with uh, with the salary and fighting and fighting winning the battle against management as opposed to winning the game uh, against uh, the team that was coming into the park on Tuesday night so so i mean they they've 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 gone and provided provided uh, Boris ammo and this is a california kid like i don't know if he's going to stay here but uh, i would say uh, come free agent time but i would say his uh, his uh, the pendulum's tilted the other way you know as a, after what happened this week does it seem like it ends well with uh, the Blue Jays and Boris? Well, uh, his clients end up going somewhere else most of the time, Bob. Well, uh, they uh, Delgado had them in uh, Class A, and they they had a split over I don't know some autograph card signing thing. Uh, uh, the check they couldn't find uh, Delgado. <laughs> Delgado had left and then gone home, so the check went to california and it was taxed at source or something and then alomar fired him after which was silly because our boris won his arbitration case and i said robbie why would you fire the guy and robbie says well he lost like at the time boris had a like a he lost seven out of eight or something he says yeah he won mine but he lost all those others (laughs) (laughs) but i think there was something else there too i think robbie was with san diego and that's when he got traded over here and Robbie wanted uh, Boris to call his father as a witness for the defense to say the Padres kept him down on purpose. And Boris said, I'm not doing that. Your father will get fired, you know, you know, like he's testifying against his employer. So, no, they haven't. I mean, it goes back more recently, Paxton, who they drafted in the first round, they didn't sign and uh, went back to school uh, to Kentucky, the the kid with Seattle there. And, uh, uh, they haven't had. A, uh, they drafted Shea Morenz. I remember the the big quarterback from San Angelo, uh, 
who was going to be an NFL first-rounder, which that didn't develop, but he wanted first-round money for the NFL quarterback. Yeah, there, been a, there has not been a lot of guys. The um, the whole process that I see is uh, not shaping up well with uh, Stroman's now strained relationship with him and Boris coming in the picture. I just see it setting up not to work out very well. And um, I do think that, you know, he ends up with 18 wins and leads the uh, NERA. But really, did he have a great year? I just, you know, at the end of the day, um, I don't know what difference it makes if you pay him 550 or or pay him 750. The thing sets up bad. And if you're right, if if he's not strong enough to handle it mentally, and the team becomes the enemy, uh, team management becomes the enemy bigger than the opposing uh, major league baseball team coming in, it's it's probably going going this thing is just going to drag out and become a sideshow for the Blue Jays instead of the Blue Jays just winning games. Yeah, I will say I thought I thought the the kid handled it very well the other day. I mean, I that's the first time he's been in that position. I thought he I thought he did very well, but uh you know, we'll see over the long haul how long, how far this goes. And I as for Stroman and him uh not being best pals, I I don't think that's a big deal. You know, like Oakland those guys they'd be punching each other uh, <laughs> before batting practice uh when Reggie and on the and the, some some of those great Yankee teams, they, those guys didn't get along. I mean, all it, all it, all it happens, all it, all a Blue Jay fan wants is for Stroman to go out and do his best, which he's going to do. For Sanchez to go out and do his best, which he's going, which he's going to do on game day. They don't have to. They're not out there. Uh, it's not like like the one is dependent upon the other. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like like he's uh, they're just one's pitching Tuesday, one's pitching Thursday, or right. whatever whatever the day is going to be. But. Uh, but I, I think uh, I think I think it could have been avoided with for for a multi million dollar company. I mean, it could have been uh, for you know. It's, it's not. Let me put it this way: It's not good when uh, when Boris starts citing examples and he says, "Well, the Marlins did this," you know. Mm-hmm. The World Baseball Classic, Bob um, yep. Ernie Witt uh, was adamant. Uh, during the, during and after the tournament, that Canada must send its best players. Why do you think they're not sending their best players? Well, that's that's the first uh, that's the first time uh, it's really been a problem. I mean, uh, and each 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 example that came up, it was uh, it was uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, you know, like Brett Laurie standing in camp because he was afraid he was going to lose his job. Uh, that was the right decision, you know. Nobody was upset about that. He did lose his job, you know. Like, and then he was hurt, so he couldn't come. And then, but I mean, Votto. Uh, pe- some people are mad at Votto, but Votto for me is a no starter because you wouldn't have had Freeman. Correct. Like, like Freeman wanted to play four years ago, and they said, "No, I'm sorry, we've got Votto, and we've got uh, we've got uh, Morno." Now some some people who think it's like the the Blue Jays or the Raptors or the Maple Leafs think well we'll just cut Morno. Well no, it doesn't work that way. I mean these guys they 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 make like 500 5500 or 600 uh for the for the week and I mean you're not you're not whacking a guy and, and upsetting <laughs> the, the apple cart for something like this. Uh, I mean it's like 2009 people people get so angry they say well fire Ernie Witt. I said, fire him from what? You know, like he, 
he does this on the side for the uh, a plane ticket to wherever they're going, and uh, they pay for his room. You're going to take that away from him? Uh, and he works, uh, he scouts for the Phillies. Uh, that's where he makes his, or excuse me, he, uh, he's an instructor for the Phillies. That's, that's where he makes his money. Bob, uh, there was an injury that came out of uh, the game, Dominican against the U.S. Jose Bautista did not start, did not play. He has back spasms. Is this uh, danger coming this season? Um, yeah, I watched the game last night. I was I was unsure. Uh, they said back. I don't I don't know how serious it is. I uh, I don't think uh, I'm not I'm not one to. I like the WBC. Uh, it's some of the better games I've ever seen uh, for excitement and uh, the skill level. And uh, I think it's great when you see that kind of emotion displayed. But I don't. I'm not. I think if he has a back spasm from swinging or from whatever, he could have done it in Dunedin just as easily. I mean, uh, uh, it was very unfortunate the Royals uh, catcher Salvador Perez. Somebody rolled over into him there uh, in the the last round, and he hurt his knee. But at the same the the same day, Colorado Rockies they signed the, their first baseman Desmond. There he he got. He got hit on the pit, uh, on the wrist by a Cincinnati guy, and uh, he's going to miss some time. So, I mean, it's not like, okay, the WBC is really difficult. It's, uh, you know, it's uh, log rolling and jumping on trampolines and stuff <laughs> like that, and spring training is, is, uh, is just baseball. You know, I mean, they're both baseball. One one is maybe you're, you've got it ramped up at a little bit higher level, maybe a lot earlier, but it's not – it's baseball, you know. Like the guy, the guy throwing pitches is going to be throwing pitches in his camp, whether he's in Arizona or Florida. I, I think, I think anybody who has the chance should play in it. And they missed. I remember telling Halliday in 2009, he chose not to play when the game was in Toronto and it was a sellout and it was a, maybe it was a, the atmosphere, the best home game of the year that year was uh, that game and. Uh, I remember telling him that in spring training, and he said, "Well, I, I'm not playing. I'm not not pitching, rather." And uh, you know, it's just uh, you know, playing for your country. It's a, it's another level. Yeah, I, I, this is the first year I watched WBC. I thought it was awesome. Uh, watched the game uh, Japan played in, and then I watched Dominican Puerto Rico. Uh, Bob's right. The emotion that the guys are playing with is sincere, and uh, you know, it's baseball. You know, their guys are going to get hurt. And if they're in spring training or if they're, you know, playing in a WBC. And uh, it was interesting because uh, they were talking about some of the organizations and how close they were bombarding the managers about what to do with their guys. And I think the um, the, the minimums and maxes are good on, on guys playing. You know, that sets up really well. But it's uh, as far as global, um, growing a global game, and given that perception, they were extremely competitive. The games in San Diego look look great. I was actually sitting there thinking, you know, that's something in life. Maybe you should do go to a WBC game and uh, in warm weather. Um, so, but Bob, I think you know, let's get down to the real stuff. What's going on with Josh Donaldson? How does that going to affect? You know, the issue is they've got two potential starters that right now have haven't had much of a spring training, and. Uh, Historically, they've not gotten off to a good start uh, when the Blue Jays come north. So, you know, give me the background on, on where you believe all that's, you know, how that's going to affect and how many games into a season, you know, can you give a fair evaluation to where a baseball team is going to be? 
Well, uh, the word uh, the word fan uh, is derived from fanatics, so you can you can uh, you can you can you can make a fair evaluation of as a fan. You can make it after eight and a half innings if your team loses <laughs> the first day, you know. But uh, and I do believe I do believe in uh, the first game is an omen, you know. Like I remember the year Mike Timlin blew a save uh, against uh, Junior Naboa, the White Sox, or something, and. Uh, uh, our guy wrote uh, one down, 161 to blow. You know? and, uh, it was not well received. Uh, but um, I think that was Mike Zeisberger. But uh, I think uh, I think Donaldson, uh, from everything I've read, I was only there four days before I went over to Miami, um, and I did not see him. He was always taking treatment or whatever, and. Uh, I think uh I was told that he wasn't that far off, you know, like so but but you do not you don't you you do not want to enter the season with Batista down and Donaldson down, you know. I mean Devon he Travis who's uh maybe uh, the greatest kid on earth, he's uh he just can't shake it, you know. I don't know what it is. Uh it, it's it's the old uh Saturday night live skit with Gilder Ratner. If it's not one thing, it's another. You know, he's always got something. But uh, he's just a, he's he's a kid you you, you really pull for because uh, I've only been doing this since '85, I guess, with Toronto, and they, he's he's one of the best. I mean, he's an all-timer. Yeah, I think uh, I was I was uniquely uh, I was at a, a banquet in uh, Western Ontario, and uh, Travis as a this was going into his first year at the Jays. Was was there on the DS also, you know? And um, Mike Wilner was the MC, and that's that's when I first got to meet him. And uh, I think it's unfortunate what's happened to him because you take a young, talented player. Normally, he climbs a chain by being uh, have a period where he's injury free, yeah, and people can see you know all of his talents. Uh, he naturally hits a baseball. Um, so he has a physical gift to see the ball and, and hit it in the right direction. Um, at times, uh, I think Robbie working with him as a second baseman, helping him understand how to turn the DP, and then uh, getting too low has done nothing but would have elevated what he can do. And uh, unfortunately, when the injury bug bites, it's really tough on professional athletes, especially when they're young. And um, he's had two ailments. Um, shoulder and knee that just really hurt what he can do, and I think it would it would help them tremendously if if they could pencil him in for you know 145, 150 games. I've heard the comparison that uh, Bill Matlock is a comparison to Travis, and that's how good a hitter he is. Do you agree, Bob? Uh, yeah, I, that was my story. The night he uh, the night of the trade. I phoned a guy, and they made the trade like I don't know about eleven o'clock. Arizona time. We were at the GM's meeting. So what was in the first edition, it died, and, you know, you're scrambling to get it done by the next hour. And right. I phoned the one guy, and uh, he, he says, he reminds me of Bill Madlock. This is about five minutes into it. And I said, what do you mean? He, he says, well, that's how good a hitter he is. I said, dang. I said, he, he won a batting title. And uh, the guy says, no, he didn't. I said, yes, he did. And the other guy says, no, he didn't. He won four or three, whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, amazing. <laughs> so, uh, no, we, I'd, I'd been kind of, uh, and then uh, he hit very, very well. And Anthopoulos wanted to know who the scout was. And 
I said, I'm not telling you who it was. And he says, well, I want to know who it is. I want to hire him, you know. said he was that good. But uh, he was with another group. But he he, uh, he he wasn't hired. He wasn't able to get out of his contract. And then Alex is gone. But, uh, yeah, he's a, he's a, you know, he was – the Tigers were going to move him to the outfield because they had they were set at second base with uh, with Kinsler there, but uh, um, he's he's uh, he's an athlete. It's just a shame he, he can he hopefully can get out from under his, uh, the cloud that's uh, the injury bug thing that's bothering him, following him. Bob, one last question before we go. Uh, I have a coworker that you know very well that uh, you coached, Matt Medeiros. Can you tell me a bit about uh, Matt, one of the Matt stories. Well. In '94, uh, there was a lockout, or there was a strike, I guess. So uh, we couldn't. Uh, there wasn't any baseball. The players were going to get locked out in the spring, so they they struck on August 12th, I guess it was. So uh, the office sends me High Park wins the little league. They go to for Canada. They go to the Williamsport. So I go, the office sends me down there, and uh, High Park's playing, and uh, Lance Parrish's kid was with Yorba Linda, I think, from California. Mm-hmm. So I get down there and. Uh, they practice, and I talked to a couple of the coaches, and he says, come back to the barracks and you talk to some of the boys. So I go back there, and, and man, it was tough, I'll tell you. It was, like, you think it's tough getting it. Like, I used to do junior hockey when I was in <laughs> Ottawa, and the 17-year-old kids are tough, but these guys are all 12. You know, yeah, it's neat. It's cool. Yep, yep, nope. You know, and I'm probably asking bad questions. So the, their best picture was a kid from Panama, Armando, I don't remember his last name. Anyways, he I didn't get anything from him. I didn't get anything from the best hitter. Anyways, they come to the third base, Matty Medeiros. I'll never forget it. I said, well, what do you think? What do you think of this place? And he says, wow, it's just like Mr. Barry said, you know, the uh, the big stadium and the, the grass is so green here. And he says, I'll tell you another thing. I said, what's that? He said, "Well, the chicks here are a lot better looking than than in, in Williamsport than they were at the districts or, or the nationals or the regionals." A twelve-year-old. I mean, I grew up in Kingston. I don't think I discovered girls are great. Girls. It, it is fitting. It is fitting, Bob. That's for sure. Well, thanks for thanks for coming on with us, uh, and uh, hopefully we can do this again. Surely. Thanks, Bob. Okay, thank you, Bart. That was Bob Elliott, formerly of the Toronto Sun and uh, Hall of Fame baseball writer. Butch, to wrap it up, the Raptors, one question for you. They've turned their, t- their team around defensively, but offensively they're suffering right now. Is that the answer to the playoffs, playing better defensively? Well, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I think the formula is um, what I see is that uh, PJ, PJ Tucker is straight out of Gladiator, the movie, right? He basically is allowed to foul a guy twice before they even look at calling a foul on him. All right, that is a huge asset for a wing defender in the East. The problem has been is that PJ is not the greatest offensive player, so the offense amongst the other four needs to be going very well. And I watched the last quarter against Detroit, and it was outstanding. I'd never seen the Raptor team shut a team out for ten or eleven possessions in the fourth quarter when they needed to, because the whole thing could have went bad. The other thing I'd never seen was DeMar DeRozan had morphed into a complete basketball player. He was rebounding. He was passing the basketball. Because basically teams have come up with a defensive formula where if DeMar's in a pick-and-roll, just double-teaming 
take the ball out of his hands and eliminate his ability to get to the free throw line. So I think they're better. And I always said, you know, if Casey had the time, he'll work it out. And he's got to get to play his veteran players. His younger players are not ready for playoff basketball. So he's he's got to work through that. And and uh, But P.J. Tucker needs to be on the floor to get these good wing players in the East stopped. Thanks for listening in. We'll be back next week on the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.